Hello and welcome to Grace Church Vienna. Today is the ninth and last part of our sermon series about the church as a family. The topic covered today will be how ought we to behave in God's family. Looking into 1 Timothy 3.1-16, we will see that being in a family means that there are certain obligations and expectations. What does our behavior have to do with selecting leaders, the way we meet as a church, or to keep the truth of Jesus beautiful and firm? Well, join Christian Pana now to find out more. Today is um, also uh, for our sermon series a special day because today is um, the last day, the final day where we want to um, close and finish this series. Um, so if you've missed any of the previous ones, you can still listen to them online, but I'm I'm happy that Christian is here with us and continuing and, and finalizing and this idea of God uh, of, of of God's family being us as a church. Um, and thank you to be here. Well, um, I'm really happy for the word of God that was revealed to us, and we step by step we learn so many things about. Uh, the family of God, about the local church, and um, actually the series is done, but there are so many passages talking about this. Uh, you could have preaching like a preaching calendar for one year, <laughs> and uh, I think um, it's not only one of the, like the least metaphors about the church the household of God, I think is one of the major ones. Uh, if, if somebody asks us, okay, what is the number one metaphor about the church? Probably we would say, oh, the body. But actually it's not. Um, every time when Paul, Peter, or uh, even Jude uh, and James, they say brothers, brothers, they talk about the fact that we are brothers and sisters because we are part of the family of God. So, as I said, so many texts about this. Last Sunday, we discovered together three techniques, if you remember, um, that are used by the Christians to grow in the church. Two of them, wrong. One, excellent. Um, There are some Christians thinking that It's okay to grow in the church like a stranger or an alien, um, like a tourist or somebody with a visa, but they are going home. And this is wrong. Uh, Anonymous and selfish Christians, uh, you can find all over the church, right? Uh, Thinking, I can be anonymous in the church. Nobody knows me. I don't know. You know, it's okay. It's not okay. Because this is not church. Uh, The church is a family where you know and you are known. And so uh, uh, to be anonymous in in a church, that's really selfish. Um, And also some Christians choose to grow as an audience. They come, they enjoy a show, a religious show maybe. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. But, you know, they are spectators. Um, and they are turned into an audience, and they like that. Um, there is no uh, high requirements <laughs> to be a spectator. And when you come to church, you don't have to pay the show, right? 
if you go to a, a show in the town, you have to, to pay. But here, eh, I, I, you know, I can do this. Um, and some of them are dedicated, but dedicated to a cause. And even that is not, you know, the church is not a cause. The church is, yes, we have uh, something to do because God wants us to do this. But first of all, it's not what you do in church. It's who you are. And who you are is the church, actually. And from that, you grow into what you do. But sometimes we think, oh, you know, I have to do this, 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 and I'm okay. No. You can do without being someone. You can do family stuff without being a family. And this is, again, bad. But also, we can grow as a community of Christ, um, a family of God. And this is the best one. This helps us to grow together. Uh, nobody is left behind. We want to grow together. And by the way, as a pastor, I grow with the church. And this is the beauty of it. It's not like I drag the church after me or if I'm an elder, I, they, they will follow me. No. I grow with them. And, and I enjoy growing with the church. Because this is the way Jesus uh, left it. He said, this is it. You love one another and you grow in love. You are not always, you know, I'm perfect in love. I'm, who is per perfect in love here? I don't know about you, but it's not me. So um, there is so much to, to, to grow. In, and you cannot grow by yourself in love. Only in a community. And that's the beauty of, a, of the community. Uh, we interact, interact with each other and fulfill the purpose of the church to be the place where God, remember, we are like stones, living stones, and, and God dwells among us. And, and we interact as his family. We grow as his people, but we do this because God is among us. He is the most important person here in the church. And we want to... Be like that, right? His name is the greatest, not mine, and for sure not yours. <laughs> Sorry for that. I spoiled everything, but the church is God's church. Amen? God's family. Amen? Now, I would like to turn uh, in First uh, Timothy chapter 3, and I'm going to read the whole chapter because um, this is the main idea that I'm pursuing here. How ought we to behave in God's family? How must we behave in God's family? If we are a family, what should we do? Or how, how should we uh, uh, interact with others? And uh, as I said, there are so many other texts, but this one is really good. So let's read 1 Timothy chapter 3. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of the overseers, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must 
be above reproach, reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not a violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For it, if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Deacon, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons, if they prove themselves blameless. The, their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own household well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith of Jesus Christ. I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and a buttress of the truth. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by the angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in uh, Believed on in the world, taken up in the glory. Amen. Amen. So, how ought we to behave in God's family? Let me be clear. The way we live in the church is not an option. I live in the church how I wish. It's not an option, but a moral obligation. And the terms are God's terms. Why? It's His family. It's not my family. It's His family. His rules, house ordnung, huh? is why? Because of him. Uh, being part of the church, and the sense here uh, is actually the local church, is not the universal church, um, means that one must to confirm to a divine established conduct. A divine established conduct. That's why you have ought there, or must. It's an obligation. Is not if I want, yes, if not, you know, it's my choice. There is no choice. Maybe you think, Pastor, you are crazy. Nobody told me this so far. Well, it's in the Bible. Obligation, it's part of Christian uh, behavior and Christian life. We don't like that. You know, nobody will... Uh, make me to do this. Well, the Lord make you to do this if you are part of the local church. So I want to set this straight from the beginning because this is actually the foundation I would like to build, not me, sorry. Paul, I'm just trying to make obvious what is already obvious. <laughs> so um, how ought we to behave in God's family? First of all, um, the first 13 verses are about an interesting uh, conduct, an in interesting behavior to designate 
a leadership above reproach. Well, the text actually, but believe me, I don't have enough time, not even today, probably I'll, I'll go over 12, but um, actually the, what Paul starts with this in chapter 2. And there are two other things that Paul tells us how we should um, behave, but we don't have time for this. But if you have time from, uh, when you go home, please read uh, from verse 8, chapter 2, verse 8, and on. It's part, actually, of the same chunk of reading, but I, as I said, I don't have time to talk about everything, so... I started with uh, this, which I think it's important, designating a leadership above reproach. Paul encourages those who want uh, to participate in the leadership of the church or to have a leadership position in the church to show it by serving. You want to do it? Do something about it. <laughs> you want to be there? Start doing something. The, the word overseer actually means supervisor. And the work of an overseer is to be a steward. And for that, if uh, there are two parallel texts about uh, uh, containing almost the same things in First Timothy three, and do you know the second text about leadership in the text in the church, elders and not deacons, only elders. What is the parallel text? Help me. Not that I don't know, I know, but <laughs> I want you to participate in. Okay, Titus, Titus 1. So let's go also in Titus 1, uh, verse 7, where it says, For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. So in Titus, Paul adds something to have the whole idea ready to understand. So an elder is a supervisor and he also is a steward. Now in Titus 1, uh, the, the, leader, the leaders of the church, they are called, or the elders, are called God's stewards. The word used in antiquity for steward was, and I will tell you only because there is a match, there is a sense why, not because I know Greek, I don't, I, I'm trying to, but Oikonomos. Oikonomos. Now we have economy from this word in English, but oikonomos is a steward, is the one, and I said that because oikos is family or, or household. You understand? God's household is oikos of God. And the oikonomos. The one who works in the house of the earth. Okay? So it's a steward. Okay. Uh, he, uh, his job is to manage or to administrate. He's an administrator. So the elders are administrators of the family. Now, who is the leader of the family? God. Remember, they are God's stewards. So in the in the uh, in the first sec second century Roman Greek Roman family, and that was influenced also. Uh, this influence was also in uh, in in Israel at the time when Jesus was there, and Paul and Peter and everything. They um, the family was led by 
pater familia. The father or the parent of the family. These stewards were those who were working in the household, but they were not their household. Make sense? So in this sense, Paul said here, God is the leader. He is the father. Elders are only overseers. Now you may you think, overseer what? Well, it's not easy. And well, actually, it's not hard to understand that these oikonomos, these leaders, these stewards, these administrators, they were also slaves. And they were actually overseeing other slaves. So it's not my family, it's God's family. If I'm an elder, I am there only to serve other slaves to do their job. They are, so there were a little bit, I'll give you a little background. I hope you are not, you know, like, you, you didn't check out already and like, okay, bye-bye, I'm out. I don't understand what you are talking here. Just bear with me. You will understand. So there are two types of family. There were two types of family. The one living in the cities and those living in the villages. In the cities, I mean, you don't, you have slaves, but they are good for everything. They were not specialized, only a few of them. But if you lived in a village, then you need to have a lot of specialized slaves. You know, those who are working in the field, those who are making bread, those, it's so complicated. And actually, this is God's church. We are, each one of you, each one of us, we are specialized in doing something. Because we are the slaves of God. Remember Paul, when he was introducing himself, always he said, he loved this. I am a slave of God. And we all are slaves of God because God, we were slaves of sin and by the way, those who think that there is such a thing as, you know, free will. There is no free will. Because we were slaves of sin. <laughs> Since Adam and Eve, we were all slaves of sin. And then when Jesus died for us, he took us from this slavery and he made us slaves of God. But actually, when he made us slaves of God, he adopted us. Crazy. I'm a slave, but also I'm a son. So now it's even more complicated. I serve God not because uh, I want, but because I love Him. Not because I'm forced, but because I want to do this. It's like, oh, I, He gave His life for me. I gave my life for Him. Make sense? So whatever He tells me to do, I will do it. And by the way, I'm not doing this because, you know, and, and I was like, oh, Lord, I don't know how to do it. No, 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 no. You are a specialized slave. You need to specialize in doing something. And now I would like to open a huge parenthesis to ask you, what are you doing in the church? What are you doing outside the church? 
if you are not doing anything, then you are a spectator. Huh? Well, this is so far away of the thinking of God. God said, no, you are a slave. You have to do something. And by the way, I will give you these other slaves called elders or overseers, supervisors, to give you everything you need to train you because you need to do something, but not lousy job. No, because I'm also not only a slave, but I'm a son. So now I have to do something that is uh, on the same level with my life for, for my my love for for the father. So it's not, I'm not working like a slave. I'm working like a son in the house. Make sense? If I'm slave, like yeah, I will do this, and I hate this master, right? No, 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 no. I do this because I love my father. But I know because I'm doing this because he bought me. And by the way, to buy a slave or to buy, to adopt someone in that culture was also to pay. (laughs) So somehow these two metaphors, they come together. We were bought and now we are slaves and son in the same time. And we have overseers that they give us something to eat, uh, tools. Uh, oh, what do you need? What do you need? I need training. Okay, I'll, I'll help you. These are the elders. You understand? And they are designated by God. And they answer to God. Why? Remember Titus 1.7? God's steward. They are not church stewards. No, 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 no. They answer to God. And maybe you think, oh, this is the easiest part, man. It's better to answer to the church (laughs) because we know how to make them answer. (laughs) Oh, no, believe me. To answer to God is the highest call, not the church. Make sense? So, um... Now, you have slaves and sons that they are working and they are doing for the love uh, uh, of, of the father. And they have specific tasks uh, given by the master who is also the father. In a strange way, although there is a sense of a bigger household of God, which is the universal church. This text talks about the local church. Because the master or the father has many properties. And that's why he has many churches. Make sense? And in every church, there are slaves and sons that are working for the father. And also they are, there is a leadership. But they are there not to rule over. By the way, this is the way... People outside the church think of the leadership. They rule over, but actually in the church is the other way around. They support the whole business of the church. You understand? They are there to help you to become the best of your 
who you are. If, if you do something, and you better do something, we don't need spectators in the church. There are no spectators in the church. If you are doing something, the elders are there to support you, to give you food, to give you tools, to give you training. And you know what? Whenever you have problems, to come and help you. Why? Because you have to bring fruits. Now, there is another metaphor that I brought in. You know, the vine and the branch and the father prunes the branch, not the vine, but the branch. Why? To bring... Thank you. Where, where is the heavy part? In more or in the fruit? In more. Because when, when, the, uh, when the, you bring fruit, the Father will prune you again. Why? <laughs> you don't like that, but why? To bring more fruit. And why He cuts you again? To produce more fruit. He challenges. He provokes you. To bring more fruit. Now, do you understand why you are part of the church and a member of a church? There is no unemployed in the church. There is no spectator in the church. Everybody is doing something for the glory of the master, the father, and the one who prunes the vine. Well... Boo. <laughs> you think, oh my, this is the church? <laughs> this is our local church? <laughs> and this is me? Yes, this is you. Um, and now there is uh, in interesting uh, that the first, uh, I'm, coming, I'm coming back, okay, I'm coming back in, in 1 Timothy 3. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of the overseer, he desires a noble task. Good job. Just do it. Therefore, because of that, an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife. And then uh, look in verse 8. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. You, you understand? And, and for verse 5, For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? The way you are in your family, in the same way you are in, in the church. So if you are not managing well your family, how in the world are you able to do this in the church? You can't. Why? It's about family. If you don't understand the concept of a family, for sure you don't understand the concept of a church. And you know, um, a church could go down not because of the members, but because of the leaders. All the other qualities here in, in chapter 3 are, that are required for leadership in the church, are qualities that have something to do with relationship with the family, relationship with the church, within the church, and relationship with the outsiders. 
when um, I, I was to establish other elders in, in the church, in a church that I pastor in Romania, I said, okay, I need to go to ask your colleagues at the work what type of person you are. It's biblical. <laughs> if they will see, say, oh man, stay away of him. <laughs> no elder. It's, it's here. Yes, a God steward, the elder must be able to teach. The deacon must serve well. And the women that are there to help the deacons must be faithful in all things. It's in here. That's why they need to be, all of them, above reproach. Uh, by the way, it doesn't say perfect. The only perfect people are already dead. It says above reproach. That means they are tested and everything, any accusation that was against them dropped because it's not biblical. By the way, when I read the text, did you count how many times Paul said ought, 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 must, 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 must? A lot of times. It's an obligation to behave in the household of God. It's not because you want it, because this is how God conformed you to, um, to behave. He was so merciful with us. He adopted us. We are his children, but we cannot forget that we are also slaves of God. His will is my will. That means a slave. By the way, in, 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 in the ancient times, um, the, the slaves were considered talking and breathing tools. <laughs> no will. Okay, this was only will that would matter was the master's will. Now, if the, a slave would be like this, and you have the master right here, then how about the, the overseers? Oh, thank you if you asked me, because I have an answer for this. They were called instrumentum instrumenti. <laughs> there was a, a name even for that. They were the tools of the tools. <laughs> You understand? So Paul takes the whole household of God concept and he says, oh, by the way, this is the church. You have the master who is the father, who is the one who prunes the vine. And then you have the instrumentum instrumenti, the elders, the overseers, the supervisors, or whatever you want to call them, stewards. And then you have the slaves. But actually, even they work they work, everybody works for the glory of the Father because if somebody who is outside the household comes in, will say, oh man, whew, I love this slave. What's your name, David? Man, what you do here is awesome, right? No. Whatever David is doing reflects on God. And if somebody from outside the household, the family, comes in, will say, whoa, what a master. <laughs> David is nothing. Sorry, David. <laughs> but this is the truth. I am nothing. 
We are nothing because everything we do is for the glory of the Master, the Father, not the glory of us. So if you sing well, it's not your own glory. If you preach well, it's not for your glory. If as an elder, you are there to give your life for the church, nobody is there to applaud you. Everything you do, they applaud the Father. So, you still want to be part of the church? Huh? Yeah, it's exciting actually. When you think about this, it's mind-blowing. And, and then, number two, I, I told you I'm, I will be out of time. Meeting according to the protocol of the living God. This is the second thing that we ought to behave in this family. And this is in verse 14. Verse 14 is, is awesome. It says, I'm writing you these things so that, 15, if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which, by the way, if you want to know what household of God is, which is the church of the living God. Now, uh, the purpose of, uh, of the church is to meet. The word ecclesia means gathering, meeting. Uh, so the word church in Greek is ecclesia, it's meeting. So you are church when you are meeting. We, this is a church. Make sense? Because we are meeting. All the families, all the individual that come together, they are ecclesia, they are a, a church. Now, um, uh, oh, I have so many things to do, but I, I need to jump, jump, jump. If you are interested, you, you can read my sermon. But if someone imagines that in the church everyone does what they were, whatever they want to, this is, uh, is, is uh, it's a mistake. Because an assembly comes together according to a protocol. Like even now, it's a protocol that we follow, Right? We start by David coming here, saying something, and then we have so uh, the worship team, we sing. They are leading us, we are singing, and then David comes back, and he challenges us, we pray. You, you follow? It's a protocol. Like like, you know, we are praying, and then five of us think, you know, I want to sing, man. <laughs> and they start to sing. Like, what in the world are you doing? It's against the protocol. Imagine that during our meeting, everyone does whatever they want. So Philip comes here and says, hey, psh, come on, let's sing. And then Dave said, no, 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 let's uh, pray. And I think, no, 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 let's, uh, let's, I, I want to preach. So in the same time, we have songs, we have prayer, and me preaching. If somebody comes from outside, what they will say? <laughs> you are crazy, <laughs> right? If this is the church, I don't want to be part of this. <laughs> Why? The church is the meeting of the members. And there is a protocol. Because a, a, a legal meeting is the one that goes 
in order. It's embedded in the word, Ecclesia, the order. Uh, so you cannot be anonymous. You cannot be a, a spectator. And for sure, you cannot do whatever you want. <laughs> Is this a good definition of the church? Yeah. Um, Paul goes on and he said that this church, this meeting, belongs to, what, what does it say? Belongs to who? who? Ah! Right. So this meeting is not my meeting. And by the way, it's not your meeting. You are only called to come to the meeting. But this meeting is presided by God. Oh, by the way, by the living God. You know why living? Because in Ephesus was another God. Actually a goddess. Diana or Artemis. So... They thought, oh, Diana is a read uh, 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 in, in, in the book of Acts, you know. And, and Paul said, no, 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 this is dead. <laughs> this goddess is not alive. But God is the one who is living. And by the way, he interacts. When you come to this meeting, expect that. Come with this expectation. God will intersect your life. Because this is his meeting. He will come and, and he will change your life. You cannot come to the church meeting and say, you know what? That was so boring. And I, I, I'm, I'm out of this because it's, no. It is like you say, you know, I was on the highway and a truck came toward me, hit me. And after the truck hit me, I woke up and I came here to the meeting. If somebody would say that, what would you say about this person? <laughs> you are a liar. <laughs> after the truck hits you, you are uh, lucky if you are alive. <laughs> right? This is the church meeting. Because this is not about us. It's not about you. It's about God calling you to impact your life. And you cannot go home and say, you know what? Nothing happened to church. Oh, maybe you were blind. You were deaf. And you were thinking of something else. Yes, I got it. But God calls you to come here to impact your life. And when you leave this building, you will not be the same. This is why it's, Paul said, the living God, the meeting of the living God. This is the church. How you ought to behave in the church, come to the meeting. You know what happens when you don't come? Yeah, you got it. No truck. No truck. You are the same. I'll give you two examples. Ananias and Sapphira. Remember? They come and they, and they lied to Peter. What happened to them? Huh? 
dead. <laughs> Their life was intersected by God. They were not bored. They were dead. Um, Saul persecuted the church. And Jesus meets him on the way to Damascus. And he's, he asks Saul, why do you persecute me? He was persecuting Jesus. Well, no, he was persecuting the church. But Jesus took it so personal. After this meeting, what happened to, to uh, Paul? Huh? How, how, how he changed? Something even dramatic happened. What? Uh, yeah, that's it. He was blind for three days. <laughs> so imagine you want to come to church. <laughs> and after the church service, you are blind for three days. Are you coming back? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's too high. The, the, the impact, it's a high impact service. <laughs> blind for three days. Mm. Mm. You cannot come in the presence of God to this meeting thinking that I will live as I came. And actually, I count on that. That's why I come. That's why I came today here. Because I don't want it to be the same one that I came here. God is alive. And he is the master of the church. He is the father of the church. And we are here because we cannot do this by ourselves. If there is no truck, there is no life changed. That's why I adore God. It's the assembly. This is the assembly, the meeting point of the living God. It's not the assembly where we talk about business or could you give me a new recipe or, you know, how, how are you doing? Or, and this is also the small group. It's a high impact service where God, the living God, impacts our lives. Now, I'll go like the truck through the third point here. Which is important. I don't want to, please forgive me. I'll, I'll uh, go over probably five or ten minutes. It says that the church is a pillar. You see, it's not the pillar. And ESV translates very well here. Elaine, what, what do you have in K, K, King James? The pillar. Actually, is a pillar. It's an arthros. It's without an article in the Greek. It's a pillar and a buttress of truth. Now, in Greek, if you have uh, the, the article, that means identity. When you don't have the, uh, 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 the article, it's the quality. So the church is actually has the quality of a, 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 a pillar and the quality of the buttress of the truth. Now, although the pillars were used to support the truth, uh, to, uh, to support the roof, uh, in the ancient cultures, the pillars were used to make 
a building attractive. That's why they had pillars on, on the street. And in, in a temple, actually the Diana's temple had 127 pillars. Not because the roof was too heavy. <laughs> no, because the pillars gave the beauty of the temple. And each, each uh, um, king was, you know, decorating uh, one or two pillars. And when you, when you went in there, actually, um, you were so attracted by the beauty of this. Or when you were going on the street, it was not like today you have the curve and you have the... No, no, you have a lot of uh, uh, pillars. And the pillar of the truth, that means the church has the quality of making the truth beautiful. What is the truth? I will tell you in a minute. So, we are meeting to make the truth of God beautiful. And also, it says that it's the buttress, you know, the foundation of the truth. Uh, the foundation is there to make uh, this pillar. Actually, these pillars were put in on foundation, and, and it was to make it stable. The foundation, actually, this is the role of the foundation. So God changes our life to make the truth beautiful through our life, by the way, and stable. Stable. The collapse of the truth is because of the cracks in the church. The truth is ugly because of you. And me. The truth is ugly, is repulsive to people around because of you and me, and, and is not stable because of you and me. Now, if you say, what, what truth is right here? In verse 16, the last part. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, Believed on in the world. Taken up in the glory. This is the truth. It's actually a hymn. It's an old hymn. Paul took it and put it here. Borrowed it. Or probably he himself written it. I don't know. It's a hymn about the majesty of Christ and his work. The truth that we can make it ugly and unstable. It's about Jesus Christ. Um. So it's a mystery, it says here. The majesty, and, and there are three points here. The majesty of Jesus' incarnation, God became flesh. The majesty of Jesus' sufferings, that he proclaimed the victory of his. And then the majesty of his perfection, of Jesus' perfection. He uh, claimed to be the Son of God. It, he was believed in the world, taken up in the glory. Where is Jesus now? At the right hand side of God, right? The Father. So this is the majesty of His perfection. The idea of this passage is that the truth is extraordinary, but everyone must dedicate, each one of us must dedicate our life to make this truth beautiful and stable. You know why people in Vienna, they don't see the truth? 
and it's a little bit shaky, and it's a little bit ugly, yes, you're right. It's because of you. It's because of me. So think about it. How ought we to behave in God's family? Designated a leadership that is above reproach? To train and help us to be the best of us? Meeting according to the protocol of a living God? Not that. Interacting God. Keeping the truth about Jesus beautiful and firm. Now, my question is this. Do you behave like this in the local church? If not, you should repent. I should repent. We ought to repent. We must repent. Now, I would like just to read um, two more verses and I'm done. 1 Timothy chapter 5. It's connected. That I, I cannot finish this sermon without this. It's so beautiful. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers. Older women as mothers. Younger women as sisters in all purity. Do you understand? If you want to rebuke somebody, encourage them. Like you encourage your father. Like you talk with your mother. Like you encourage your sister. Or brother. You understand what Paul said here? Whatever you, however you deal with your family. Do the same thing with the church. Beautiful, right? Why? Because your whole mindset is changed by Jesus Christ for His glory. Amen.